got poppy seed on my pop filter. Okay. Wow, episode two already, huh? Yeah, I know, right? That's the thing that I was I was thinking about last night as I was going to bed. I was like, cool, it's been a week. <laughs> it's like, this is insane. Uh, I have noticed, like, my life seems to go by a lot faster, like, doing YouTube. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> I guess, like, it's always, like, Wednesday, and I'm like, oh, man. I don't have anything for tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, the, and then it'll be, and then I'll, and it'll be like the next week. I'm like, Oh man, I don't have anything for tomorrow. <laughs> well, it's two weeks gone. Half the month's over. Nice. That's all right. That's okay. You think about it, right? Four th- If I make four things, mm-hmm. that's a month gone. True. True. So yeah, it's fun. It's fun thinking about it that way. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Risk. Risk is our business. That'll work. was founded to seek out new life. Well, there it sits. Rock and roll! Six. We're not afraid of diversity. We don't persecute it. We embrace it. At least I won't die alone. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to another Retrek review. Today we're going to cover the first episode of Strange New Worlds, entitled Strange New Worlds, and it was released May 5th, 2022. It was written by Akiva Goldsman. Alex Kurtzman and Jenny Lumet, and directed by Akiva Goldsman. This series, as we didn't cover last time because it was a just a failed pilot, this time I'll go through who who was in this episode. So we have uh, Anson Mount playing Captain Christopher Pike. We have Ethan Peck playing Science Officer Spock. We have uh, Rebecca Romaine playing number one. And then we have Christina Chong playing La'an Nunyan Singh. Melissa uh, Navia playing Lieutenant Erica Ortegas. Um, Babs Olusamokan playing Dr. Mbenga. Cicely Rose Gooding playing Cadet Naota Uhura. Jess Bush playing Nurse Christine Chapel. I would say our four guest casts would be Adrian Holmes playing Admiral Robert April, uh, Gia Sandhu playing Tepring, Melanie Scarafano playing Captain Patel, and Dan Jeanette playing Lieutenant George Samuel Sam Kirk. 
Yeah. Those are our main cast people. We do see a brief appearance of somebody who, who will be on the show, but we'll, they're not introduced technically. So we'll leave them for next time. So before we jump into the synopsis, what what do you think of it overall? Uh, overall, I uh, really liked it. Actually, it's it's fun because it's like modern, so it's kind of like still in the same ballpark as like Enterprise for me. Yeah, and um, I, I appreciate too, like how the writing kind of picks up from like that pilot that we watched. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, that's I, I really like how they like it starts off with Pike on the like on his like farm, and it's kind of what he was talking mm. about. And it's kind of it's just cool that they tied that stuff in. I mean, that you you could skip all that really, but right, right. So that was kind of cool, but yeah, I, I like like the modern aspect, and I kind of like seeing like some of the original cast. Yeah, like yeah. younger. It's it's pretty fun. It's and and Pike thing, yeah. Pike's a cool captain. He yeah. kind of to me seems like uh he's kind of got that like archer like feel. Like he's a good oh, yeah. like a good he, well-rounded captain. He definitely has like that that kind of suaveness that Scott Bakula was able to bring to yeah, Enterprise. It's pretty funny. I feel like out. going forward i'll probably always say like yeah he's a pretty good captain <laughs> because like <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's a good he's he's pretty decent uh i think going forward for me i think pretty much there's like there's always the seven like the six or seven main like slam yeah. of of like cast you know because it's like you had you have archer trip malcolm hoshi travis mm-hmm. flocks and Tapal. Like yeah. seven, you know, and then you have your other like mix in people like Shran and, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, Major, uh, the the Mako guy, like, oh, those yeah. Guys. So it's like you have your other people, but those are like the seven main. And as you That's go through every series, like there's always seven. Well, it's, yeah, it's the main stations on the bridge and then the doctor. Right, right. So the thing that um, you will come to come to see is they're all still trying to find their legs like the the characters like spock and um pike and number one have like they already were established in discovery so they're just they're just returning from discovery i kind of figured that yeah uh because you kind of gave me the brief rundown of discovery yeah so and that's why i kind of gave it to you so that like when you saw this you weren't like what are they referring to? Like, yeah. so you kind of understand what was going on. So something happens in Discovery at the end of the season of Discovery where basically like the Enterprise has to go get docked and repaired. And yeah, so what? They give Pike the option whether he wants to return or not. Like he. So basically what ends up happening is, is what Spock says to him in the scene is he goes to, uh, Bor- I think he said Boreth. And he touches that time. He touches a time crystal, sees oh, his yeah. future. He kind of like doesn't do okay with that. And then he's in charge of Discovery. He's the captain of Discovery, while Number One is the captain, is the acting captain of Enterprise. And she's like off doing her own thing. So it's mm-hmm. like 
I think it's a combination. It's supposed to be a combination of he took the down, he took the downtime of that, the ship getting repaired and like getting refitted and not really refitted getting more like up, updated. Yeah. And to like well, basically come to like, I think he was trying to, um, what do you call it? Like basically be okay. death. Yeah. Like trying to be okay he, with the fact that he knows how he's going to die. If you saw yourself die on a, on the ship, you would just stay. Yeah, I'm just gonna stay on Earth. I'll just stay here on Earth. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, how far after the cage? How how much time has gone by till this episode? So, fifty four to fifty nine. So, five years. Gotcha. So, from that episode to here, he's done, and that's kind of how they. It, it, you'll notice in. Kirk's show, you'll notice that like the running thing is five years. They do five year missions, mm. and then it's like then they'll come back to Earth, and then they'll either like fix the yeah. ship up, well, or makes sense. Put, a, yeah. put a new captain on, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So if you're trying, if you're thinking about this chronologically, and it's it's hard because like it was never really meant to be like that. So, right. so the cage. You're you're led to believe like from this episode that like Kirk is like a ensign or was the lieutenant. Well, you haven't seen. Are you thinking Shatner? Yeah. Well, so Kirk. Who well, who's the Kirk at the end of the episode? That's, that's not. It's not. It's that's his. That's his brother. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. So anyway. So okay. So now that makes that makes more sense to me. Yeah. So. So basically, like from the cage to like the first episode of the original series, where now like Captain Kirk is in the seat. You try you you're kind of led to believe that that's like a pretty big gap of time. Yes. So it's six years after this. Yeah. And so it's eleven years. So the cage happens, and then eleven years later is the original series. Okay. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, so it's six years after. Um, so Shatner at this time period would be like what in his twenties? Yeah, he would probably be in his like mid thirties, mid twenties now. Yeah, yeah. Because in uh, original series, he's probably what like forty, almost fifty, somewhere in there. I think in if I if you because I do give his in in canon birthday. Let me look up uh, James Kirk. So um, he would be going on twenty six, okay. In in this episode, so he's he's like thirty two in the original series. So I didn't even know he had a brother. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So I just assumed like, oh, cool, Captain Kirk is like you know, he's on he works on the ship. Yeah. Right. Right. No. No, he's on a different he's on a different ship at this point, which the show does a good job with it. It's like it doesn't make cool. sense for him to be. Um, it's like it's very, in... like when you know because when you you know once the original series start, you get a lot of backstory to Kirk. So it's like yeah. you kind of know where he is and what he's doing in this time period because they talk about him a lot and mm -hmm. show stuff and go on and you know so on and so forth. So gotcha. okay, yeah, it's pretty neat. So the summary 
for this is when one of Pike's officers goes missing while on a secret mission for Starfleet, Pike has to come out of self-imposed exile. He must navigate how to rescue his officer while struggling with what to do with the vision of the future he's been given. Why was it a secret mission to, to do first contact with those? Um, I think it was because she was supposed to be on downtime, like everybody was. Oh. And she she uh, she went off on her own with those three people. So it was our two people, I should say. Gotcha. So I think it was like a hush hush thing, like, hey, I I know this is happening. Let's go and investigate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it starts with her saying, no matter how many stars there are in the sky, no matter how many galaxies swirl beyond our own, no matter what the mathematical probabilities or the numbers of times we say we are not alone in the universe, our first visit from the stars is always the province of children's stories and science fiction. First contact with aliens always lives squarely in the impossible. First contact is just a dream until one day it isn't. Uh, So we see inside some form of control center or bunker, alarms begin to ring. As an officer walks down the corridor to the control room, she and the people within are revealed to be a humanoid species, making first contact with an unidentified object not of their world. As they get a stable image, they find themselves looking upon a Federation starship. Yeah. Which was kind of cool. It was a like a saucer with just like the yeah. reflector part. Yeah, it was kind of neat. I, I really enjoy seeing like first contact from like the alien point of view. <laughs> you know, it's really yeah, cool. it is. It's really really neat. It's a cool thing because yeah. like they do it a lot in Star Trek. They do I love it. it. Yeah, I love it. I love the fact that like so here here like the humans are and they're like, you know, towards the end of the episode, like all right, so here there's aliens. And it's like the mm-hmm. humans, you know, it's Federation. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. I mean, honestly, that's, that's true. We would be aliens. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it says in Bear Creek, Montana, Captain Patel awakens to find the other half of the bed empty. Heading downstairs, she finds Captain Christopher Pike busy in the kitchen making pancakes while watching the old film, The Day the Earth Stood Still, again, yeah. as Patel notes. <laughs> yeah. As they sit down to breakfast, greeting each other by their formal rank, Battelle notices the look on Pike's face and asks if he has not decided yet. Pike responds that the USS Enterprise is in space, space dock for another week, which is ages to come. Suddenly, Pike's communicator goes off, and he is pointedly trying to ignore it. When it stops, he asks when she is shipping out. Patel asks him to talk about whatever it was he was keeping to himself, whatever has him questioning a return to his command. Pike replies it was classified, but Patel points out she has a higher security clearance than he does. Not for this, this is his only answer. She is departing at 0600 the following morning and would not and would not return for a month. Pike tells her he might still be there when she returns and asks her to call him when he returns so they could get together. Patel kisses him, saying that it would be nice and hopes he is not there when she returns, thinking he had better places to be. Yeah. Patel leaves, the communicator goes off again. I liked I like in that scene too that they like 
they don't call the communicator. She says phone. She specifically <laughs> says like your phone's ringing. <laughs> yeah. He's just that was interesting. pancakes. He doesn't even care. And how <laughs> how different does he look with a full beard too? I mean, like like crazy different. He does. He like he could be like... a different actor. <laughs> he also, I think it was a good choice because he also just looks like he's he's disconnected. Well, like some some actors, when you grow a beard, you're just like whatever. He just looks nice, but it's like he specifically looks yeah like unkempt. You like know, a rugged mountain man. Yeah, so, you yeah. know that that is cool to me because. You see the original Pike from 60, 63 Heat, and he's talking about wanting to wanting to do that kind of lifestyle. But also, like yeah. you said, he he was real popular in like westerns, that yeah. actor. So now you have like a, <laughs> you have him in Montana and he looks like a cowboy. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. kind of this cool like nod to like the original. Absolutely. I love yeah. that. Yeah. So exactly to your point, he Pike takes his horse out for a ride in the snow, but the horse is frightened by the low descent of a Starfleet shuttlecraft. The officer that descends from the ramp is Admiral Robert April, the first captain of the Enterprise. Oh. P- Pike scolds him for spooking his horse, and April apologized, saying that Pike had not been answering his communicator. Pike bluntly demands to know what he wants. April says he has a first contact scenario that may have gone bad. But the officer in command was someone he trusted, but he had lost contact with her ship. Pike is dismissive, saying it is not his problem, and that they had agreed that he had until Enterprise left space dock before making any decisions. The Admiral reveals the reason he is approaching Pike. The officer in command is Pike's first officer, Una Chin Riley, who reports that a new world might be considering Federation membership. She had not taken downtime all that well, reminding Admiral Pike when he had been uh, April's first officer. Uh, April is pulling Enterprise out of space dock, electing to to skip the redundant system checks, and needs the ship crewed and ready to go by 1,800 hours. Pike tells him that Starfleet doesn't want him in command, but April sees that it was Pike himself who didn't want to be in command. As Battelle did, he asks what happened, and and as with Battelle, Pike answers only that it was classified. April is sympathetic to what Pike is dealing with, but right now he needs him on the Enterprise to find Una, to uh, and makes it in order. Yeah. So they don't really give that little uh, snippet away to you, but um, it's a it's a really it's a it's a really interesting thing. So originally, when Gene Roddenberry was building the idea of Star Trek, yeah, it was his pitch, and the, it was the name of the lead character was Robert April. Hmm. So he that was the name of Pike was Robert April, and then he they later changed it to Christopher Pike, and then. Robert April shows up in two. Well, his name shows up in an episode of Discovery. Interesting. And then where you actually <clears throat> see, like, see, see him is in the animated series. He shows up in an episode of the animated series. Oh, that's cool. And um, that's that's when you he reveals that he's the original 
captain of the 1701 Enterprise. Yeah, so that's that's something that I I still get confused on is you have all these ships called Enterprise. Enterprise, yeah. Um but so, like so like the, the NX01. Okay. And then you have this the CC seven uh, 1701, yeah. right? Yeah. So <clears throat> what what it is is in Star Trek Canon, um in Star Trek Canon. NX means like prototype or like oh or like a basically a a new starship that hasn't gotten its full registry. Gotcha. So NX01 literally means it is the first prototype first of like anything yeah. ever made. It was an exploratory mission for like everything for the ship for, for every, every humans, right. yeah. Okay. Five, warp warp five engine like it, it is it yeah, is yeah, the, yeah. So going forward, um, so what was Columbia? NXO two. It was NXO two. Yeah. So. Okay. And I I believe I don't know when they switch over to the NCC stuff. I don't know exactly when because again, there's not a lot of in between yeah. <laughs> information, but it's, at, at some point. Because it is canon now. At some point, the NX Enterprise gets a a refit, and that thing get the deflector gets put underneath it. Okay. And that picture I showed you guys, like when we yeah. were creating our stuff, and everybody was like, "I don't want that one." At <laughs> some point, it becomes that looking ship, and Archer isn't the captain of it because he's off doing other stuff. So, yeah. so, so in in Enterprise. "Quote unquote," who's the captain of the Enterprise? It goes Archer, a mystery person, and then they make the NCC seventeen oh one Enterprise, and yeah. Robert April is the ca- the captain of that ship. And then I think after like five years or ten years or something, um, he steps down and Pike takes over. Gotcha. Well, okay, I guess it, it makes sense they would keep the same name. That same like type of ship, yeah. Well, they're kind of kind of like what you what you see in your background, like kind of the 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 first many of the first type of ships built are called Enterprise. Yeah. So they, you know, and kind of like in uh, like a system of honor, they go and call the ship Enterprise. So then, what ends up happening, which then gets confusing, is um, when they. Go, when they basically go to a completely different model of the ship, yeah, they just add a letter to it, so it becomes mm. the NCC seventeen oh one A. Oh yeah, and now it's so, a completely different Enterprise. Picard, Picard's era is like D and E. Is D? And, yeah, yeah. So right now so you're like, on the you're on the original like. There is no letters, and then you and then you on Picard's era, it's seventeen oh one D. So you know there's an A, a B, a C before you get to him. Yeah, okay, that is yeah. confusing. <laughs> yeah, it's just basically every time they change like the model of the ship, it gets a new letter. That's basically the way to look at it. 
It's just funny because like you were just saying like that that guy that shows up was like the original captain of the Enterprise, but it's like yeah, of like the new Enterprise, the old Enterprises. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. Yeah, he's not the the first captain ever of a Enterprise, right? It's just funny like so you talk and all these like basically like war guys and he's like and they're all you know they could have like 10 guys in there and they're like i was the first captain of the enterprise I'm like yeah which enterprise <laughs> right exactly <laughs> mm-hmm. interesting okay yeah well, that makes a lot more sense to me now yeah because i always got irritated like when i was work like looking for like reference images and stuff for like artwork and stuff you type in enterprise yeah. and it like immediately goes to like kirk So you like specifically have to put in like the number of the ship that you're looking yeah. for. That's like the one that's the one bad thing about uh Star Trek, like looking up specific things about the ship enterprise is like you type in enterprise and it's like, okay, there's yeah. like literally six enter like six or seven enterprises. Then there's the show enterprise. That's yeah. like like so what do you what do you actually it's like google it has a hard time when you're trying to find that type of stuff because it's like it's yeah. very it's very broad yeah yeah and i was always looking for stuff like you know like enterprise like med bay or enterprise bridge right so you have to yeah. be like archer's ready room or archer's you know <laughs> yeah yeah or flocks yeah, you know flocks is med bay you, know, you have to specifically do like the yeah. character Yep, or like the other one you can usually get away with is like NX, <laughs> NX, whatever, yeah. NX Bridge, NX Med Bay, NX, NX Armory. I feel like I was always typing in NX01, like Shuttle Pod or like <laughs> yeah, that type yeah, of yeah. stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. It's funny too because like this show was in like 22. Mm-hmm. So like the CGI of like the Shuttle Pod and stuff, it's like it's so funny that now it makes like 2000s era like show enterprise look like as cheesy as like the 63 oh absolutely <laughs> isn't it right? like crazy it really does yeah oh yeah because even like their their ability to render computer renderings of like the ship and the shuttle pod yeah. and like special effects it's like yeah they're yeah literally like great. 21 20 21 22 years old now yeah <laughs> Well, a lot of Enterprise stuff that always looked like super cheesy to me was like anytime they would show like Federation from like far away and you'd see like these little people like walking and you could oh, tell yeah. they were just like little like CGI, like unrendered models that they didn't have like, to like put a lot of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah like walking. Like... And then like the camera like zooms in and it's like, <laughs> I think one time they show like um, Malcolm, like on the outside of the ship fixing something like from far away. And it's like this oh. little gold like thing and it's just like and then it zooms in and it's like malcolm in his full like space uniform oh, and he's yeah okay soldering stuff <laughs> like some of that stuff it's is probably, like man that's aged bad it's probably minefield is probably when he's outside looking yeah at the mine. yeah he's yeah, yeah, fixing yeah. that panel trying to get that that uh the, bomb off the thing yeah yeah funny okay so we come back and it says, in the city of Rawl on Vulcan, Spock is seated in a restaurant with his betrothed Pring discussing Sexy. the formality. 
<laughs> just formality. Spock is like immediately like chiseled abs and like just <laughs> yeah. this like sexy dude, you know? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Uh, the formality of Vulcan conversation, often beginning with a query and expecting a response. She has asked him there on the anniversary of their first courtship event, and he notes she is wearing the ritual mating colors, and yet she has not asked him a single question throughout their entire meal. To bring replies that this was untrue, that she had indeed asked questions about his family, about Pasal's new loot recordings, and his gallivanting around the galaxy with Starfleet. She then asked if there was a question he wanted her to ask. Spock is apologetic, as he has been away for a long time, which could mitigate matters of tradition. She finally asked the question he has been expecting for him to formally marry her. Rather than the typical Vulcan response, he kisses her, causing one of the wait staff to, re- to request that they do so elsewhere. What an excellent idea to bring a grease. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to see Vulcan is still stuffy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even though they're like totally like changed. <laughs> yeah, they're not quite the same people anymore. Yeah. Uh, having settled somewhere more private, Spock looks out a Vulc- uh, at Vulcan's ocean, remarking on how there, there were oceans of liquid mercury on Salon, while Earth's were water. T'Pring thinks that nothing out there could be better than what was on Vulcan, and Spock asks her to show him. As she is about to oblige him, his communicator goes off. It is Pike calling from Earth. Seeing Spock without a shirt, he wonders if he was naked. Tabring asks, <laughs> Tabring says they, they were about to be as it was a special night. Pike is apologetic before explaining that April is sending them out to find Una. Spock tells his captain that he, he will meet him aboard and that Tabring will understand. As they close the channel, Tabring points out that her understanding would have been worthy of a query and tells him not to make a habit of assumptions. She does not intend to chase him across the galaxy just to get married. Spock assures her she will not have to chase him across the galaxy to get what they already had. So an interesting yeah. little. Yeah. I never thought about Spock like having like personal relationship. relationships ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And it's a it's a it's a nice, it's a nice thing. It's not. The, the reason why I'm not like, hey, Star, uh, Strange New World is awful is because they're actually pulling from actual Star Trek. So it's, it gets good. So Yeah, it's cool. I like that. I, it's It was funny to me that Spock and Darth Vader basically have the same apartment looking out <laughs> over like the lava lake. <laughs> yeah. It looks like Mustafar. <laughs> Spock, you're breaking my heart. <laughs> oh god yeah uh, there's there's, yeah, so the, there's the rendering i need is to bring going like uh and then the spock standing there like looking and pikes pikes off in the shuttle <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah I, I got a, i got a better one for you i'll tell you later okay 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 huh. okay so the shuttle craft stamets takes Pike up to the Enterprise as he reviews a pad regarding Lieutenant uh, Leon Nunian Singh and her involvement with first contact with the Gorn. 
So the interesting thing is, I'm going to pause. Is yeah, so Stamets. Stamets is a character from Discovery. Okay, so that's kind of why that was like Stamets, and he was like mm, name. It was because like it's, yeah. it's a person that he knows. Well, that's not even what I picked up on either. Obviously, because I no, didn't no, I know. Yeah, it was but Gorn. I was like the Gorn. <laughs> like we're doing yeah. the Gorn already. Nice doing the Gorn. <laughs> So I this specifically, if I can, I don't know if I can get it, but I specifically pa like pause and read the screen when he's when they showed the pad. Yeah, and it's like this whole thing about unofficial. It's not in the official record, and it's like an, an unidentified species. Yeah. So, okay. um, which is this is probably the only thing of the series that I kind of don't love. They make the Gorn very, very cool in the show. Very cool. But they only show up in one episode of the original series. Mm -hmm. And it's the big famous episode where he's he's the lizard in the right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Even and I know that in, one. Yeah. He's in the big rubber suit and he's really slow and it's really funny. So Yeah. That's the only thing that this show, I think, I understand they, they're they trying to break away from that and make the Gorn cool and not a man in a rubber suit. But at the same time, there, there are just things that happen in that episode that, like, makes this kind of a blurred area. Yeah. Well, you got to modernize it, you know? Right, exactly. And the other thing I was thinking, too, to help you with this, I'm not 100% sure, but I want to say that this year is the same year of Star Trek Into Darkness. Oh. So this year that's happening is also the same year that that would be happening, but they're in different timelines. So it helps yeah, yeah, you to yeah. understand that, like, you know, this really... Because everybody was still entertaining the idea that Discovery perhaps was still in that timeline because it's so yeah. left field with its way of thinking and the way the ships yeah. look and all the stuff is like hyper, yeah, hyper futuristic, like Chris Pine movies. But then yeah. this show came out and it's like, no, we're taking place during no, it's that fine. stuff and we're not, we're not going to reference any of it. So perfect. <laughs> okay, so the shuttle brings uh, itself to transport a range. The pilot rem remarking on how uh, she was scrubbed up and as good as new. Pike quietly wishes it were that easy and tells the pilot to beam him aboard. He is met in the transporter room by Spock, who reports all systems were nominal, even though they had not been able to run simulation studies. Personnel rotation was in process, which meant some officers would have to bill it after the mission, including the chief engineer and a Lieutenant Kirk, whom Pike had requested some time before. Pike remarks on how it felt like a million years, to which Spock promptly adds it had been three months, 10 days, four hours, and five minutes. Yeah. Pike asks how Spock himself was doing, and he replies that he was doing well, although he felt the weight of loss for his adopted sister, Michael Burnham, each time he returned to space. Pike expresses a similar feeling as they enter the turbo lift. He reviews the new personnel roster, including a number of cadets and much-needed additions to the medical staff, before coming across the entry for security. The new security chief has also been named acting first officer, much to Pike's surprise, as he expected Spock, as second officer, 
to be given that job with Una missing. Spock mm-hmm. replies that Starfleet Command preferred him to remain as science officer for the mission. Yeah. So that was the thing that I told you about with, with Michael Burnham is he makes the reference to it, her being his sister. And it's yeah. like, basically, as soon as Strange New Worlds ends, Spock will never talk about having a sister again. Perfect. Well, she's gone. Why would he bring up? Right. <laughs> he would never tell any of his friends is... or anything like that, right? Yeah. No. Well, the Vulcan way is to forget immediately. <laughs> <laughs> the um, thing that I thought was cool in this scene is that, um, like, they're already talking about, like, stations that you're familiar with from, like, Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. security and science officer and all the stuff yeah. that, like, Kirk stuff doesn't really no. get into at all. Yeah, you get pretty much like you pretty much get helm, uh, communications, science, yeah. and maybe one other, maybe engineering, and that's like pretty much it. And they don't really, it's not really like stations, it's just more like when he stands over there, it means he's looking at science things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, okay, Pike and Spock arrive on the bridge where they are greeted by Lon, the new chief of security and acting first officer. Pike welcomes her and all the newcomers aboard and the old crew back. He asks Helmsman, Lieutenant Erica Ortegas, if they were ready to depart, and Ortegas replies, the course is set to Kylie 279. Lieutenant Jenna Mitchell at operations reports lights are green across the board, and the cadet at communications, Naota Ohura, receives confirmation that Enterprise is cleared for launch. Pike orders Ortegas to take the ship out of space dock. Mitchell reports uh, they were prepared for warp speed. As he looks down at the chair controls, he sees a reflection of what he knows is his future. Deformed and crippled by radiation poisoning and momentarily freezes. Spock recalls his attention back to the present and, Ort- and gives Ortegas the order. Hit it. Yeah. I like that. I like the hit it. That's pretty yeah. Cool. yeah. He also like immediately assumes the... Uh cross leg yeah. position in the chair. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny is I remember a while ago we had this conversation about building a captain chair, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I wanted an archer chair because I think it'd be easier because it's basically just a computer chair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're like, no, you're gonna want a Kirk chair. I'm like, I don't care about the Kirk chair. I don't care about it. But then this episode like all I was thinking after this episode was like, man, I want a Kirk chair. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool it's the like, square you know it's square yeah and... it's like of all like of even though like the original series and kirk is not my favorite like of all yeah. the guys it's a thing that once it's the only captain's chair that you're like nice because he has so much on the chair there's yeah. so much on the chair and like all the I other feel like he's actually like, like running the ship from the chair right you know? and all the other ones are just like hey look it's a chair that he can sit in and it looks kind of comfortable like that's that's literally all it is, and his is the only one that has like I'll put these discs in there, or I'll push this button, or whatever. It's like, yeah, yeah. The the whole captain chair thing is kind of funny anyway. If you really think about it, it's like, you know, like you know, a captain back on you know, like a a ship on the ocean. Like he's the one that's actually steering the you know the thing. <laughs> yeah. So now in this modern era, it's like he's the captain. He just sits in his chair. And he's like, ah, uh, all right, put the shields up. Okay, mm. 
Mm. Why don't you uh, increase <laughs> engine speed by 3%? It's like, he doesn't do it. He just sits there. <laughs> it's kind of weird. So, like, that's what I kind of like about Pike is, like, he's like, all right, so we'll hit it. And then they immediately get their, their heading. And he's like, all right, I'll be in my room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, all right. Yeah, you don't really need to be out here. <laughs> nope. Nope. Oh, so, as the ship goes to work, Pike they, asks her. Oh, God. They also make a quick reference to, like, how Pike used to not like women on the they bridge kind of in that scene like a weird pause like, yeah he's like oh i didn't know you were a... and then he looks up and it's like all women like the whole bridge <laughs> yeah he literally he says something to the effect that like he goes oh I... he goes that's okay i just didn't uh didn't expect uh and then the bridge thing opens and you see all these women on the bridge and he's like uh you'd not to be the first officer and you're like mm-hmm. I <laughs> yeah. know you just did there I, I kind of like that did. yeah I kind of like that yeah it was good but it's really cool to see like Ahura like I, I didn't yeah. know she was she was on the sh- you know she's basically been on Enterprise for what 70 years she's been surfing yeah, pretty, much. pretty much yeah um so Pike asked Ahura for a shipwide channel he begins by jokingly hoping that no one was caught with their hair wet or their pants down because of the early departure <laughs> before telling them that Starfleet typically sent out first contact teams when they detect a working warp engine. And one such had been sent to Kylie 279 aboard the USS Archer. Mm-hmm. The Archer has dropped out of contact and I their mission was that. to find them. Was that? I did catch that quickly. Like, yeah, it was interesting. Uh, and if they were lucky, make some new friends. Nobody dies, he says, a somber note in his voice. This is this will not be anybody's last day. With that, he turns the con over to Lon and goes to his quarters. Spock looks worriedly after him before turning back to his council. Alone in his quarters, Pike recalls his vision of the future before being brought back to the present by the chiming of his door. It is Spock, who assures Pike he is not he, he does not mean to overstep. Pike invites him to overstep before pouring himself a glass of Saurian brandy. Spock mm. gets to the point asking if Pike was himself. Pike replies he was very much himself, which was the problem. Spock is aware that Pike had been changed when he had gone down to Boreth during their time aboard the USS Discovery. And he knew that Boreth was known for two things, a monastery and a rare ore that caused temporal... Uh, consciousness displacement, both of which had the power of transformation. Pike replies it was not the monastery, and and Spock had assumed as much, asking if Pike saw the future. Pike confirms he had witnessed what he had felt was the death of the man he was now. He knew exactly how and when his life would end, and not only saw it, but felt it as well. He notes how most humans like to think that they could cheat death until the very last moment, and he had thought so once as well. Spock asks if it was soon, but Pike replies it was not, that it was almost a decade away, which suddenly felt soon to him. Spock thinks that knowledge of death was vital to effective leadership, but Pike not only knew it, but he experienced it. He worries what that knowledge will do to him and had started to second-guess himself. 
this the last thing a captain could afford. Spock believes suffering could be built on insight and that Pike could make some good come of this knowledge of his own fate to be the man he essentially is, the captain. Just then, Uhura calls the bridge as they were dropping out of warp. Spock rises to report back as Pike looks at his reflection in the bottle, reliving the moment he witnessed himself confined to a wheelchair for the rest of his life before he rises to follow. Yeah. So they do a nice, They this is like basically the scene where how the do doctor we... doctor comes in. <laughs> that's true, like the yeah. Original, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, he, laid, he should have laid down on his bed. <laughs> Come in, Spock. <laughs> hey, Spock. Talk to me about my problems. <laughs> um, I was going to say, this is basically the scene where they're like, okay, how do we deal with the writing of Star Trek Discovery? Yeah. So it's like they didn't anticipate making Strange New Worlds. They just were like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we just brought Pike in Discovery? Because yeah. he's a character that we can do that with. And it was like, nice. And then they did stuff to him in the show. And it was like, okay, now going forward, what do you, like, you've made the man yeah. see his future. You've made certain things come come about. It's <laughs> like, how do you deal with this now? Yeah, right. Well, I think that's what makes him a good captain is, at the end of the day, he knows, like, even though he faces death every day anyway, mm -hmm. like, you're going to make sure that you're taking care of your crew and, like, that's what you signed up to do. And exploration is, like, in his blood. Yeah. So. Very true. But what's also funny is, like, there's no there's no like cure in this like time period for like radiation like poisoning um there is but he gets like really it's so severe yeah yeah and basically the reality is is like as he brings out in that scene the death of the man that he is so it's not like he dies it's just he just becomes crippled essentially yeah 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 Obviously, not being able to be on Enterprise anymore. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So the Enterprise comes out of warp over Kylie 279. The Archer transponder ping is detected on the planet's night side. Pike orders Uhura to hail them, but she does not receive a response. Pike asks if they could be losing the response in, subs in subspace chatter, but Uhura reports there is no subspace chatter at all. The space was dead quiet. Ortegas has brought the ship to the archer's position and brings it up on visual. Mitchell reports the ship is completely intact, all systems apparently functional. Spock is unable to detect any life signs, but there were no, no signs of bodies either. He brings up the ship's manifest, showing that the archer was crewed only by Una and two astrophysicists, Lieutenant Key and Ensign Haddad. Laan sinks. If she went to the surface, she would have gone for the de detective warp signature. However, Spock is unable to pinpoint it, and Ortegas detects a pretty weird signal variance. Laan, digesting the information, recommends raising the deflector shields. Spock reminds her taking a defensive posture would violate first contact protocol. But Laan points out that there were no hails from the surface or subspace chatter, and no signs of any orbital docking facilities or interplanetary traffic, any sign of space colonization at all. 
which Spock knows would put them a century behind the development of warp travel. Yeah. And yet there was a warp signature. Pike is convinced and orders the shields raised. It proves to be perfect timing as several plasma torpedoes are fired from the surface with minimal damage to the shields. Pike orders Ortegas to take them into the into a higher orbit to deceive whoever fired the torpedoes that they had destroyed the Enterprise. Then wonders how a culture that used technology that was two centuries old by Federation standards had built a warp drive. Looking at the readings again, Spock realizes they haven't and recommends red alert. The inhabitants have not built a warp drive, but rather a bomb. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like that scene. I like um seeing that she kind of had some something kind of like in her brain mm-hmm. that said like uh like they still have like weapons on on the planet. Yeah, you kind of learn as, up. as her character kind of goes along, you learn that her head is like always on a swivel. Yeah. Like she's always thinking. Well, she has to be. <laughs> I really like how they get into detail too. Like you'll talk about it later, but like how she talks about like the Gorn like would feed on like her mm-hmm. friends and family and even like use them for like like birthing chambers essentially. Yeah. <laughs> like they put their eggs. Like that's pretty good. I like that. Nice. Nice. Cool. Well, uh, if you liked it, you'll really like it. Good. <laughs> Can't wait. So Spock reviews the data with Pike and Lon, explaining that there were two factions at war with one another on Kylie 279, and their conflict had reached a crisis point. Surface scans indicated a pre-warp civilization. When Lon asks how how that was possible, Spock replies that the Vulcans invented first contact and brings up the systems in the sector uh, that had warp capability, including uh, Zahia, Chintoka and the Solarian Republic, among others, all were in the process of negotiating admission to the Federation, and they were free to travel to any of them. And thus, General Order One did not apply. However, not mm-hmm. on not on any of those worlds, or even in the history of First Contact, had warp capability been developed first for anything other than propulsion, comparing yeah. it to the discovery of nuclear weapons before particle physics. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. It was possible, but had never been done before. Uh, Pike asked if Una would have known the signature was a weapon, and Spock believes she wouldn't have. The Enterprise scanners had been upgraded in space dock. Lon thinks that if the plasma weapons were the best the inhabitants had, they should beam down, find their people, and bring them home. Pike (laughs) brings... Yeah, that's always like such a good like plot device. Like, why? Why didn't they? Well, well, you know, our ship just got upgraded. <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, like, they yeah. just built the technology. The technology was just just built and put just in the top. ship. Yeah. Just well, it's like, hey, my phone can't do that. It's like, hey, did you update it? Like, no, I didn't. I got it updated. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pike points out that there was the possibility the technology was not native to them. No matter how they got it, however, General Order 1 would apply, and they would not be able to interfere. Lon asks if that meant they were just going to leave their people down there. Hardly, Pike replies, before saying they should go down to see the doctor. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. 
In sickbay, Pike is happily greeted by Dr. Joseph Mbenga. They had toured their mutual home regions of Earth together. He introduces the doctor to Spock, and as he does, likewise for Lan, Mbenga notes how good it was to see her again, as he had had to certify her for duty. Mm. He introduces them to, to his nurse, Christine Chapel, who was part of a civilian exchange program from the Stanford Morehouse Epigenic Project. Pike thinks her the right person for the job. When Lon asks about said job, Chapel cheerfully replies that she was going to mess with their genome. <laughs> the locals I like humanoid. both. I like both of these doctors. Like yeah. the main ship doctor, he's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's from really what we've cool. seen so far, he's like what Jamaican from Earth. Is that kind of what he was? I think he said he was Kenyan. Kenyan. Okay. Yeah. And she's she's pretty cool too. As like the yeah. So that's something I hope like people don't get irritated with me because like I'm always going to compare stuff to Enterprise because that's no, like that's, my you know that's what we that's what we're here for. Yeah. So it's cool to me seeing that like. You know, on Enterprise, they they used to dress up and go to the planet and like blend in. Oh yeah, like that planet, and it's cool. And now it's like instead of like Flox putting like forehead ridges on Archer, like with like prosthetics, prosthetics. Yeah. Now she's like, okay, here's this injection, and it like changes your complete like physiology. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. But right? what's, yeah. what's cool? Yeah, it's great. And and the thing I appreciate too is like they're like, oh yeah, Spock. Uh, not going to last very long for Spock because you know his basically his immune system is going to fight it off like immediately because he's Vulcan, you know. It's like, oh yeah, that's that's true. That's kind of cool. That's like something yeah, you can very easily like overlook. Oh like, yeah, writing. and the the two things that I like about it is, uh, well, they'll get into it, but they they talk about um, Spock's half genome is human. Yeah, and the thing that you think about with like T'Pol and other stuff in Enterprise is like she deals with stuff a little bit easier right like her immune yeah. system is is able to kind of um fight stuff off a lot easier yeah that's true unless she gets around those uh crystals there for <laughs> exactly yeah yeah work plating from that episode yeah i can't think of what it's called not duranium but it's something like that yeah, I know what want. yeah it's whatever it's whatever you need to s- to stop the uh, anomalies <laughs> on your ship, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so Un- the locals... unobtainium, <laughs> yeah, unobtainium, exactly, exactly. It's exp- uh, expansum mantium. <laughs> the, That's good. The lo- <laughs> the locals were humanoid, closing, ma- uh, closely matching the crew's physiology, but some alterations were required to blend in. Although the Kylie inhabitants had some organs that would take longer to replicate. So suggests not getting any x-rays. And Benga explains that Chapel is part of a Starfleet initiative to observe alien cultures without contamination. Lan asks if the procedure was safe, and Chapel answers that it was almost every time. She applies yeah, a great. sedative first, as the process involved compressed jury-rigged metamorphosis, which involved considerable pain. For Spock, his unique human Vulcan human genetics. Uh, might mean the process would not last as long for the first time. Lon elects to undergo the procedure without the sedative. Pike has read her file and she asks if he is ordering her to undergo the sedation. 
he makes clear he's not respects her choice. Yeah, that was interesting. Very interesting. Yep. It's like it's a peeling back of her of her character. Yeah. Yeah. So as the free as the three fully altered officers enter the transporter room, Chief Kyle reports that local clothing, along with universal translators and tricorders, would be in the buffer along with them and ask if there would be no weapons. Pike confirms, and Kyle sets coordinates in an area with no foot traffic. Pike jokingly asks <laughs> Kyle not to lose his socks and gives the order to energize. <laughs> it's always an alleyway. <laughs> yeah, it has to be. It has to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The other thing I appreciate, too, is like the modern like transporter is pretty, pretty smooth, yeah. you know? Yeah. I think the only thing I can say about it from my perspective is they take a little, little too many liberties with the transporter. It's a yeah. thing where like, it was supposed to be reality, like emergencies. That, uh, yeah. Well that, but it's like in reality, you should be able to do all the things they're doing, which is like, I transport you from the ship to the place. And then I dematerialize your uniform and put that in the buffer and put on the uniform of this thing like in theory yeah, scientifically, yeah, yeah i'm sure it could work but like it's not really a thing that they really do in Star that Trek. is that is kind of true yeah i noticed that, that that was interesting they like transported with all their like clothes new clothes right. on and Usually, then the thing with like the medicine like spock's medicine going down yeah like right. that i was like ah, i don't like i don't know if i like that that's a little <laughs> it's a little yeah. too sci-fi you know yeah, exactly. And then he's like, I don't think he's like the transporters can't do that. And they're like, Yeah, it's okay. You can make, make it that. do it. It's basically <laughs> flash. It's basically yeah. CW flash. Yeah. Just run faster, Barry. Oh. So like transporters can't do that. I'm like, yeah, well, just do it. <laughs> make sure it does it. I don't know if it does. <laughs> yeah. When we hang up the phone, it'll yeah. happen. So it's I fine. want it to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so Pike, Spock, and Lon materialize in an alley dressed for their environment. Spock is somewhat put out that he is wearing shorts rather than long pants. Why is it always an alley? Captain, where are my pants? <laughs> that was they funny. <laughs> <laughs> they see a news report from a screen in a nearby square <laughs> reporting on anti-government protests amid rumors of an advanced weapon being developed by the government for domestic use. Pike and Spock recognize it as being similar to events in the United States of America, particularly involving their two civil wars and their devastating results. Pike is concerned that the Kylie society is already at a flashpoint with an advanced weapon, while Luan uses her tricorder to get a closer fix on the warp signature's location. A building ahead of them with protesters outside. As they get outside the building, Spock's scans show that sh the shielding makes transporting inside impossible. Just then, two Kylie scientists emerge from, the, from inside, and Lon asks for permission to act fast. Uh, after Pike grants it, she feigns some kind of illness, asking for their help to get her medication. She then calls out his neck. For, after a moment, Spock finally realizes what she's asking for and incapacitates them both with a Vulcan neck pinch. Yeah. They could replicate their cool. clothing and security badges to match their retinal scans 
As for the two scientists, Laan suggests beaming them onto the ship and keeping them sedated in sick bay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was nice. I also like how the two of them go back and forth about it because she's like, yeah, geez, finally you're you're not yeah. too slow on the uptake. And he's like, yeah, it's good that their physiology allowed for that to work. He was like, I like that they're, they they both had like valid points yeah. of like, yeah, right. Hey man, like you got to go, you got to go with the flow. You can't always like wait for things to be spelled <laughs> out for you. And he's like, yeah, but not everything always works out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the two pilots are placed under low level sedation while Mbenga runs scans. Chapel asks for a DNA sample. Spock's genetic encoding is beginning to deteriorate. And if he doesn't get a booster with actual Kylie DNA, he won't pass a retinal scan. For it to work, the Kylies would need to have compatible protein pattern to match Spock's Vulcan blood. The first man is incompatible, but the second is a match. Suddenly, the first man awakens, wondering where he is, and Benga sedates him, while the second man manages to scurry away and flee down the corridor. Both Mbenga and Chapel recalls a similar incident on Delta Scorpi 7. <laughs> the doctor tells her to chase the rabbit while he prepares the booster. Chapel jokes about always getting the fun jobs as she pursues the Kylie through the corridors. Well, you're my favorite, Mbenga says. He warns Ortegas, holding the con, to have the landing party stand by and not enter the building, while Chapel adds that they have had a Delta, Delta Scorpi 7 situation on their hands. <laughs> Ortega's grouse is about how it always happened when she had the captain's chair. Yeah, that was fu- that was funny. Yeah, running to the corridors after this guy. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Um, Pike commends Lan on her on the performance she gave, and Lan replies that she had assumed the prey posture useful for tricking predators into thinking one was helpful. Ortega's calls Pike from the ship, saying. He couldn't go inside as Spock needed a booster to get past the retinal scanners. As they were being ushered through by government officials, landing party couldn't stop. And Benga asked Kyle if he can pinpoint a location to beam down and, supp- and apply an eye cell. Kyle protests that transporters couldn't do that, but Ortega steps in and orders him to make them do that. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile Chapel pursues. The fleeing Kylie, who is clearly frightened and wondering about his surroundings, before he finds himself inside a turbo lift standing next to Uhura. Uhura reassures him that they were going to the bridge where the back tack was, referring to how the back tack controlled everything in the Kylie's game of tag ball. Chapel runs back to sickbay, accidentally knocking over some of some members of the crew, and has Mbenga use the emergency medical transporter to beam her to the bridge. As Ahura is discussing a tag ball game that the scientists had actually been present for, Chapel comes from behind with a sedative. Ortega sarcastically welcomes the unconscious Kylie to the Enterprise as Ahura and Chapel introduce themselves to one another. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. I like, like, she got more of a scene. Like, O'Hara was actually, like, involved in the episode a little bit more, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And then it kind of, it was cool, too, to see her like have a knowledge of the species already like she she kind of was like um like hoshi essentially like she yep i like that yeah it's what you basically get what you kind of they kind of uh what do you call it like infer is like um 
that she's like the comms officer, so she's hearing broadcasts and things of that nature, and yeah. like learning about learning about the people. Okay, at the same time, Pike goes through the <laughs> check, checkpoint first, applying his security card and retinal scanner, followed by Lon. As Spock does likewise, the scanner doesn't read him at first, but Kyle is eventually able to apply the cell with the transporter, allowing him to go through. Spock is yep. concerned that the alterations will continue to wear off. Laan is picking up Una's life signs, uh, explaining that there were high levels of radiation shielding the wall in the walls, which is why Uh-oh. their sensors could not <laughs> penetrate. Oh, yeah. yeah. Only something like a warp signature could even get through. Now that they were inside, she could pick up their life signs, indicating she was alive several levels below them. As they stand in the elevator, one of the Kylies notices Spock's ears begin to almost shimmer. Before the landing party reaches the level they want. As they are finally alone, Spock admits the effect is painful, but the recoding seems to be holding. They approach yeah. three locked doors, detecting Una's life life signs through one of them. Yeah, kind of cool how that all plays out. There. I did. I really liked that. I really liked the, uh, like, you see Spock's ear, you know? Yeah. And then they're like, uh, Spock, your, your ear. And he's like, yeah, no, I know. It's incredibly painful. <laughs> oh yeah i'm very well aware i i really awful. like this kind of like this kind of like interpretation of spock too oh, yeah. like in the show you know yeah he seems pretty good a lot of the a lot of the writing for him is based off of that scene when he comes down in the first episode that you watched and when pike goes over to the, the like singing flowers and he holds on to them yeah and they stop singing and though so Spock goes over and he touches them and they stop singing and he smiles. Yeah. Everybody is like, oh, like, look, he has emotions, right? Mm-hmm. So they use that as like this Spock is a little more loose and not as like rigid as the Spock we come to know. Yeah. Which is fine. It's not like it's just like they're literally just basing it off of Leonard Demoy had no idea what Vulcans were. <laughs> yeah right exactly so it's like it's it's now well it's kind of one of those it's one of those things too where like in enterprise you kind of learn like what like a modern vulcan would be essentially because right. they kind of got rid of all that like stern like teachings and went towards like more like you don't have to suppress your emotions like super super well you know right yeah there's a way to be like like kind of flow with things and you don't have to be so like well that doesn't work with what we believe so therefore we're not going to do it well that's what i like in enterprise that's what i really like about like to paul is that like she basically questions her belief like every episode like she sees right new things that are you know not possible according to like her history essentially and it's like yeah somebody's somebody's wrong about something you know yeah right exactly and even like yep. so, you see how like stern T'Pol is, and then when you you meet her mother, she's like, "Oh yeah, you've always been on the line." <laughs> it's like what? Yeah. She's yeah, like, <laughs> okay. Yep. Okay, so opening the door, Pike finds his first officer and her crew looking worse for wear, but otherwise unharmed. Her foot is encased in a cast, and Haddad has his arm in a sling from a projectile wound during a firefight. 
she's surprised to see Lan, and Pike is equally surprised to see that they know one another. Lan admits that Una had helped her out of a bad spot once and apologizes for not saying anything earlier. Pike tells her that they can discuss it later. Una tells Spock the shielding is jointed and wonders if they could get a transport signal through the gaps. Spock confirms they could if they were closer to the surface. The landing party escorts their comrades out, but as more Kylies emerge from the elevator, Spock feels the pain growing unbearable, finally grabbing his head and <laughs> screaming in pain before his normal Vulcan features assert themselves. Seeing their cover blown, they are forced to knock out the Kylies and leave them lying in the hall before escaping to the elevator. Yeah, that was so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At first, Streaming. I almost kind of like thought he was like putting it on, like playing it up a little bit. Yeah. To create like a diversion. Right, right. But then when like they kind of pan out and you see like he's he's back to like full bulk and he's like, well, that was unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Um, inside, uh, Pike asks what happened as the Kylies were not were clearly not ready for first contact. Una glances at Lon for a moment, saying she was not cleared, but Pike dismisses that, asking how they got warp capability. Una replies that they had given it to them. During yeah. their, that final batter near Zahaya, uh, Burnham when Burnham opened the wormhole that sent her and the discovery through to the future, uh, they were less than one light year out from the zero point of the wormhole and between the Klingon ships and the Ba'ul fighters flown by the Kelpians, uh, there were more than a hundred warp signatures. Pike realizes the Kylie's telescopes would have been just powerful enough to detect all of it and collected enough data to reverse engineer a matter-antimatter reactor. The ca- yeah, uh, the ca- cool. yeah, the Kylies were not ready for warp drive, and now they were using the technology to build a, a weapon. Pike blames himself for not considering it, but Una assures him no one could have considered it. They were fighting for the very, for the very lives that were in jeopardy now reports that he had contact with the Enterprise and transports, transporters were able to lock onto them. Una reminds Pike that they couldn't make the Kylies care about the stars and that they cared only to crush their enemies and they had given the Kylies the means to do that. An alarm sounds, meaning the unconscious Kylies had been found. Uh, Pike again sees his future reflection from the nearby control panel as Spock awaits his order to return to the ship. But Pike is, con- is convinced every death from there on would be on their hands. Spock reminds him that they could not interfere with the destiny of this world, but Pike points out they already had. He orders that the others return to the ship while he and Pike remain behind. Una protests, reminding him about General Order 1. Screw General Order 1, Pike replies bluntly. Laan reluctantly pulls her communicator and orders uh, four to beam up and Pike and Spock remaining up behind. So I really like yeah, that. Yeah, it's a it's a really it's another thing of like how do we how do we basically explain the madness of discovery at the end? Like how do we make it make yeah. sense and make it interesting and make it you know all this stuff. 
but which also is the thing I, I like about it yeah yeah i i like that whole like thing that like they're kind of it's their fault that they have like yeah. that technology and they're going to use it to destroy yeah. themselves but you you really I, get to see like how pike's character you know how he how he is and, and again he reminds me a lot of like archer because like maybe this goes against the rules but i mean you're talking about a whole planet destroying themselves like right, if i right. if i can stop it i'm gonna stop it like i don't care about right protocol one all right nobody nobody cares like we're not gonna kill millions of people yeah the funny thing is too is like uh they can see ships with telescopes and we all know from like you watching enterprise yeah. like the the warp engine is inside the ship yeah so it's yeah, like right. how did they reverse engineer the the, the antimatter yeah that is you true know? like yeah. how did they like oh it has nacelles like well that must mean like how did they how <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> yeah but that's okay i think there's a youtube video i watched once or it was like it was basically explaining like that would be near impossible to do it would be like looking at a telescope of an airplane and and being like you know oh that uses <laughs> right, gas <exactly. laughs> like, oh it is true it is one of those things you kind of like just yeah, gloss over no 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 it's, yeah, it's totally fine it's just really funny <laughs> so as the others beam out spock asks if this was wise as he was clearly alien pike replies that he was counting on that as the elevator halts they find themselves held at gunpoint take me to your leader pike says yeah Okay. Classic. Here comes the big old meat meat text. Here we go. Pike and Spock are taken before the head of the planetary government, where Pike apologizes to her entire world for the effect they had upon it. She asked if they meant she asked if they meant their ingenuity was the result of his mistake, but Pike answers that he meant the Federation should have been more circumspect about showing off their technologies as one of its core tenets was to avoid unduly influencing less advanced civilizations. The technology they were using could bridge the gap between worlds, but its destructive capacity could not be underestimated. The leader says the government has been in conflict with a seditious faction for centuries and now had the means to end that conflict. Spock asks if, if that meant mass murder, to which she asks if his people had never put down civil unrest before. Pike believes negotiation and debate led to lasting peace. The leader asks if there, was, if there were groups who refused to negotiate, powerful ones, and Pike confirms there were. When asked how that was handled, he quotes a proverb from the Kikuku people of Kenya that when elephants fight, it's the grass that suffers. Hmm. The leader points out that the pro- that proverbs were less useful than a big stick. And <laughs> yes. whoever had the biggest stick wins. Yeah. When Pike tries to explain about what regulations compel him to do so, she interrupts by saying his rules were not his rules were not her rules, and that her job was to ensure her people's ability to govern future generations. And if spilled blood was the price, then so be it. She orders the guards to take them away. Pike wonders aloud, what good was a rule if you weren't willing to die for it or break it? He calls out an emergency communication to Enterprise, ordering the ship into into a lower orbit with full visibility. 
Outside, air raid sirens begin to sound as the Enterprise is clearly visible in the sky. Just like you said, whoever has the biggest stick wins, Pike says to the Kylie leader. In this case, that is me. Yeah, I did like that. I like. Yeah, he kind of thinks on the he kind of thinks on the fly about stuff, and basically, like but... he tries to come at it from like a peaceful right. He tries to come at yeah. it from like a peaceful diplomatic uh like way and tries to get her to like basically see like hey you're gonna kill a lot of people and this isn't appropriate and she doesn't care so then he immediately yeah. comes at it from okay like, well then the i'll just you up. <laughs> right right but that was like such a losing argument anyway to be like hey so my civilization accidentally gave you all this technology but you should just like destroy it and not not use it and she's like yeah i'm not gonna do that <laughs> i finally have enough like ability to like destroy these people yeah exactly but here's the other thing too is like they already shot at the ship so did they not like see it they just saw it through the telescope because like they don't it's implied like their civilization doesn't have like sensors to like sense like something in the atmosphere so i think i think what happened what you're led to believe is they shoot and then when he makes them go higher you're led to believe that they destroyed that thing. And then yeah. it's not until this moment that they realize there are like, you know, the aliens are alive on the planet. Yeah. And it's like mo- before she can go and alarm, you know, tell multiple people that like, Oh, you didn't destroy them. Like he make, he makes this play. Yeah. Okay. A newscaster reports that, <laughs> yeah that's okay <laughs> a newscaster reports that the leaders of the government and the revolutionary factions will meet for the first time in a century to discuss the arrival of the aliens as the enterprise hovers visibly in the distance back on board pike watches the debate with lon and spock the former sarcastically saying it was going well the latter saying the two sides were used to centuries of violence and that the true cost of civil war was abstract not believing you're going you're going to die is what gets you killed, Lon says disgustedly. Pike looks up at her and asks her to repeat that statement. Lon apologizes, recalling something her father had said before his death. As Pike would have read in her file, her colony ship, the SS Puget Sound, was attacked by the Gorn. The crew brought to one of their planetary nurseries. She had not understood her father's meaning at first but had a lot of time to think about why she was the only member of the Puget Sounds crew to survive. She asked Pike if he knew what what she saw in the faces of her loved ones when they were slit open and eaten alive by their Gorn captors or used as breeding sacks. And Pike has a good idea, surprise, not believing until the very end that they could die. But La'an was different, and that was why she survived. Coming to a decision, Pike asks for access to the historical database and orders Uhura to prepare a package to transmit to the surface. Yeah. So you kind of get, like you said earlier, you kind of understand <laughs> like how awful the Gorn are. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I kind of like that um that's like something that like she experienced is like just what like Pike needed to like kind of like go on essentially like, and not worry like, about yeah. his yeah yeah because like yeah 
like thinking that you're that you're going to be fine and like escape that the planet of Gorn. Like that's what that's what kind of gets you killed. Like thinking that you're going to die makes you more of a survivor. It makes you do everything you can to survive. Right, right. So that's kind of cool. I, it is. It is actually. Yeah, it's a good touch. I like that. Like her survival instincts, like make her think ten steps yeah. ahead. Okay, Pike beams himself down into the middle of the debate hall and introduces himself, explaining that their peoples, despite being from different worlds, were very much alike. He shows them images of what Earth looked like today with, with views of San Francisco and of the orbital space docks that held ships like the Enterprise. Outside, the protesters are seeing the footage live on the screens. He then shows footage of Earth in the 20th and 21st centuries before everything went wrong. He explains he got a glimpse of his own future, and it was not one he expected, and that a good friend asked him what good it was to know your future, but he didn't understand what he meant until now. He now shows what awaits the Kylies in their future, as he shows them images of the conflicts on Earth. He explains it began as, fight, as a fight over freedom at first, too, which they called the eugenics wars, then the second civil war then finally just World War III. It resulted in the destruction of more than 600,000 different species of plants and animals and the death of more than 30% of Earth's population. The technology that Kylie's had obtained gave themselves the means to exterminate themselves, and from the looks of it, Pike is convinced that they will do so. They will use their competing ideas of liberty until their world is blown to rubble, just as Earth had been in the past. Perhaps some are convinced that their futures are, are written just as Pike knows his is, but he chooses to believe their destinies are still their own. Perhaps that is why he was there, he muses, to remind them of the power of possibility. That even if their end is already written as his is, they could still live what life they had gloriously, because until their last moment, the future was what they made of it. He offers them a choice. They can continue to fight one another, or they can join the Federation and reach for the stars. The revelation of the Enterprise has a lasting effect among the people being taught about in classrooms and scientific research centers. Yeah. So that the was interesting, pretty sweet. So the really interesting thing about this is um, in the original series, they they refer to the eugenics wars, which you heard about in Enterprise. Yeah. And then they, the weird thing that they kind of did is take the modern day issues that our society has and called it the Second World War, which is kind of yeah. strange, but whatever. And then they said eventually it's just called World War Three, which is another thing that they refer to in Star Trek. So the only thing that they, they bring up in this series that is never discussed is the, the, the calling it the second world war like that's not a thing yeah. until now like he him labeling it that was not really a thing gotcha okay now we're, we're about to conclude so it says the but i really like that oh god okay oh, oh no i I just I really like his speech and I like like him beaming down and like right in the middle of the debate hall for like everybody to see like live on TV and be like, hey, look, you, know, you guys are being stupid. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's something like, again, it's something Archer would do. 
Absolutely. like decide that like i'm gonna get involved in this situation even though i i shouldn't like i don't like i can see what they're gonna do and it might not be my place but at least i know i, I can sleep better tonight knowing that like i did what i could to like tell them to stop doing that yeah 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 like he basically gives it his all and then just kind of lets lets things play out and if they're not gonna they're not gonna do it then you know, yeah. Like you said, like, so like can... yeah. If they still blow themselves up, well, at least like you know, he's never gonna have that wonder of, well, I wonder if I said something if it would have been different. Right, right. So the Enterprise returns to Starbase One, where Admiral April explains that he had just enough pull to convince the Federation High Court not to throw the entire crew in jail for violating General Order One, and had to call in a few favors to to be read in about what happened to Discovery. Spock asks how he was able to keep them from being charged, and April replied he used a loophole. Since there could be no acknowledgement of a battle even taking place, then nor could there of how the people of Kylie 279 acquired warp capability. Federation Council was not pleased and was doubling down on enforcement of General Order 1, calling it the Prime Directive, something Pike uh-huh. doesn't <laughs> think will stick. Yeah. <laughs> Una, Una asks for permission to return to the Enterprise, and April replies that was up to Pike, asking if he was planning on keeping the captain's chair. Yeah. yeah. yeah the Prime Directive only, you know, it only sticks around the rest of Star Trek history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, after the meeting adjourns, Lon meets with Pike in private and admits she should have told him earlier. Pike asks her to tell him now. She explains the Gorn had a ritual, that the last survivor was sent into space on a raft, like throwing back a fish. One was not actually expected to survive that, and Lon calls it dumb luck that she was discovered by the USS Martin Luther King Jr. Una had been an ensign on the King at the time and helped Lon find her way home and was the reason Lon joined Starfleet. She was concerned that her past association would have meant that Pike wouldn't have trusted her on the mission, to which Pike wonders if that meant she decided not to trust him instead. He concedes her record is spotless, but there was more to Starfleet than individual excellence, emphasizing the need to work together. Lon admits other people are challenging for her. Pike points out to the biodomes outside explaining that during world war three scientists sent seed pods into space to preserve them but after the war ended the earth had rebuilt the forest had grown grown too large to bring back so starfleet built its first space around them it was proof that even in space growth was possible with that in mind pike formally offers her a place on the enterprise Yeah, that's cool. So that was, the biodomes, the biodomes are pretty sweet out there. Yeah, I thought you would like that. So that's what I was telling you guys in the Star Trek, the Star Trek Adventures thing when you guys saw Starbase One. I said these are like the pods, and they're full of like different biodome, yeah. like bio things of the thing. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty sweet. Okay, so Captain's Log, Stardate two two five nine point four two, Earth. The dust and the sky is my hearth. The Enterprise is my home. We can forward together, knowing that whatever shadows we bring with us, they can 
they make the light all the brighter. I am a lucky man. In his captain's log, Pike thinks on how Earth was his hearth, but Enterprise was his home and considers himself a lucky man. He arrives on the bridge where Una reports that the crew rotation is complete and Lieutenant Kirk is on his way up. As he enters, it's revealed that the Kirk in question is George Samuel Kirk, a friend of Pike's who has been posted to life sciences and will report to Spock. Lon was on station as the official chief of security. In the transporter room, Lieutenant Hemmer, the new chief engineer, beams aboard. Uhura obtains clearance for departure and warp speed, and Spock reports all systems were ready. Ortegas asks about asks what their course would be, what mission awaited them. Pike says only that their mission was to explore, to seek out new life and new civilizations, and to boldly go where no one had gone before. Something Uhura considers cool. Pike smiles yeah. at her as he orders Ortegas to take them out, warp factor two. And with that, that concludes our episode. Yep. Yeah, it was a good episode. I liked it. Yeah. I agree. I agree. It was really, really good. So before we get into what next week's going to be, let's ask Caleb our questions. Oh, yeah. This is our what does Caleb think? Okay, no. (laughs) I don't know what it's called. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, Caleb. Yeah. Who would you say gets the Elizabeth Cutler Award for being most forgettable? Most forgettable. Probably number one. The original number one in this episode. That's fair. Yeah, that's totally she's, fair. I mean, she's, she starts off as a cap captive. Yeah. They rescue her and then immediately beam them back to the ship. And then I don't, you don't see her till she's on the bridge at the end of the episode. And she's supposed to be like, you know, second in yes, charge. Of the yeah, right. <laughs> right, right. No, it's true. I agree. Uh, okay, so who gets the Trip Tucker Award as being the most valuable? Who's the MVP of the episode? I'm uh, going to have to go with the security officer. Oh, on there? Is that your term? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think okay. so. I mean, she, she saved him in the beginning from the missiles from the planet. She yeah. basically helped Pike come to the conclusion that he needs to step in. And yeah, and then becomes the security officer, which is pretty like going forward, I can see how she's be very like effective to the to the ship. Yeah. Like gonna be good at her job. Right. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Yeah. So who gets the what gets the Shran award as the best action sequence? I don't know. That's a tough one. This episode, there really isn't like a whole lot that happens. It's like actually yeah, like super action. Uh, there's a, there's uh, a couple, uh, but yeah. Spock using the nerve pinch probably is the best. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You don't get to see that very often. It's true. You really don't. <laughs> so that was cool. Uh, okay. So what would be for the NX award? What is what was some sweet ship stuff? Um, all of it basically. the The shuttle pod in the beginning was cool. See, so like the updated okay. shuttle pod. Um, I like seeing. 
I always love seeing like the ship in the docking bay, like getting work done. Okay. I just imagine like how like awful of a job that would be like working <laughs> on a ship out in space like that. Like you're soldering and stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So that's always cool to me. Like yeah. as far as like engineering and like working, it's crazy. So it sounds like the docking thing kind of takes the cake. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even remember. Did we even get to see them go into like warp? At the very yeah, at the well, you kind of see it. They kind of goes off the bridge, yeah. and then at the very end, you see them going to warp. I just I always like just seeing the ship and the interior and all that stuff. Anyway, yeah, it's very practical. I'll, I'll give you I'll give you the docking port where he's when he's in the shuttle coming up because that's yeah. kind of all of it. You see the shuttle, the updated shuttle, and the docking port and. So yeah, there's that about. shot where you specifically see like Pike in the window, like reading right. his like tablet, and he's on the the uh, yeah that that is pretty cool. Yeah. Okay, so now you get a the Porthos Award. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's uh what's the cheesiest thing that happened in this episode? Man, I think you kind of already said it, but I, let's see what you did. Said. I yeah yeah I'm <laughs> struggling. He's struggling. I think I think it was the salve being beamed into his eye. Oh yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, that I didn't really care for that. Or the Yeah, that's a little bit much. It seems like that would like cause you to go blind or would go through your skull <laughs> or something something awful would happen, you know? <laughs> like melt his eyes out. <laughs> Plus his the whole were- like Plus the whole like, hey, we need to do this, and they're like, uh, that doesn't work like that. That's never worked like that, and they're like, doesn't matter, just do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's got to be it. Okay. Or Spock shorts, one or the other. <laughs> but you liked Spock shorts. So. I did like. It is <laughs> so. really funny seeing him in shorts. That that's pretty. Yeah, great. yeah, I'll admit that. And last but not least, what was the best? What gets the Enterprise Award? What gets the best of the best. Um, Pike's speech at the end has got to be best of the episode um, for me. To the people or on the bridge? To the people, I would say. Okay. The okay. whole like reach for the stars thing is, I mean. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah I mean, you put it in the intro, it's got to be. It's true. It's got to be good, good, you know. Good, you can either uh, blow yourself up or you can join the Federation of Planets and reach for the stars. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. Well, thanks everyone for sticking this one out. I'm not sure. Um, it was a longer episode, wasn't it? Like the actual episode, it was like an hour, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like yeah, it was like a little over 50 minutes. Yeah. Are they all, is every episode of this? That yeah, length? they're about yeah. 45, 45-ish plus minutes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess Enterprise was too, wasn't it? They were like 40. Yeah, most most of them are. Yeah, I think only like, I think only like Lower Decks and Prodigy are like 25 minutes. I think they're yeah, yeah, yeah. 45 to an hour. Well, the cage was, could have been a movie. Could have been a standalone movie. It was like yeah, it was, it was long. <laughs> yep. Okay, so next week's episode will be episode two of Strange New Worlds entitled Children of the Comet.
<laughs> so that's what we'll tackle next week. Yeah, I'm looking um, forward to it. Yeah. So as always, if you like the video, like it. If you just like it, dislike it. If uh, if you want to keep seeing stuff like this, subscribe. And if you don't want to miss a second, ring that bell for notifications. Mm-hmm. This is our second episode. So if there's any uh, things that we're still squeaking out, we'll keep on <laughs> we'll keep on squeaking, squeaking until them. they uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> until uh, until we don't have to. And uh, we'll have uh, Caleb here do a shout out for his uh, his channel. Oh yeah, so I'm on um, the Plastic Underground props on YouTube on Instagram. Uh, I do a lot of like prop making and costuming and cosplay stuff over there, and I also host the Nerd Holes podcast, which is me and Will. We talk about um, pretty like we do like current movies. And sometimes we do like deep dives into full series if there's like a new movie coming out. So currently we're doing Jonesen for yeah. Indy. And I think Last Crusade came out. Our episode on Last Crusade came out. So now we got to do Crystal Skull. And then we're going to go see the Dial of Junk at the end of the month. So <laughs> that's what we're doing. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, and we've been we've been talking about maybe transformers <laughs> maybe somewhere down the line maybe. yeah long time from now we'll we'll do like a full transformers thing over every time there. we're like we've been you know as kids we we saw the first two michael bay and we're like these are pretty good you know and then they just went yeah but Again, that that new that new trailer, you know, it comes out this yeah. weekend. Yeah. The Beast Wars looking pretty good every time <laughs> I see it. Pretty, 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 good. pretty good, pretty good. So yeah, maybe that's not a definite. No, it's amazing. The other thing coming up on my channel is we are going and watching Dragon Ball from the beginning. That's, that's right. Will's first time watching that. So just like this. I'm watching yeah. Dragon Ball over there. So, yeah, it's it's a fun time. It is a good time. Yeah, but that's it for me. I don't have anything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing else. Yeah, it's kind of quiet yeah. otherwise. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, I just you know stay in bed. <laughs> yeah. Just work full time and. <laughs> yeah, <it's> just <laughs> yeah. It's just a small hob side hobby that I that yeah. we have, you know. Nothing, it's not like it takes up eighty percent of our. It's fine. <laughs> well, thanks for watching, and uh, until next time, don't uh, don't go anywhere else for watching any other Star Trek content. Only watch it here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some stuff that's hosted by like actual actors, but. Who cares? No. This is the best. This is the best. Don't one. even go on Paramount Plus and watch actual episodes. Just listen to what we say. Just listen to this. We'll we'll tell you what happens in the episode. Just <laughs> yeah. Reach for the stars. <laughs> and the like button. Reach for the like button. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, everyone. Chief Medical Officer Stephen House here. Will has asked me to read a few things uh, regarding the show. 
So let's try to get this done as quickly as possible so that I can get back to some of my patients. Here we go. The Retrack Review is a Via Non Capta podcast produced in association with the Plastic Underground Props, whoever that is, hosted by Caleb Stoddard and Will Wilbur, edited by Will Wilbur. Their intro song is by Kaylee Joy Rookledge. Their theme song is by Samo Studios. And their outro song is by Tommy T. The title card and art was created by Caleb Stoddard. Trophy art created by Adrian Wilbur from Love by the Letters. Synopsis and written plot provided by MemoryAlpha.com. Star Trek, of course, was created by Gene Rottenberry. And all the official clips and pictures are owned by Paramount Pictures. You can follow the Plastic Underground and Vietnam Capta on Instagram and their YouTube page. There you go. So if you'll excuse me, I have to get back to a few of my patients. And I'm sure there's a Gorn running around here uh, trying to eat someone. So I will attend to that. And thank you for joining the show. See you next time.